Welcome to the Antioch Sheffield podcast. We are so glad that you can join us for today's message. For more information about Antioch Sheffield, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk. All right, thank you, Ellie. Well, again, in case you uh, weren't here when we kicked things off, just want to say Merry Christmas. Uh, it, we are finally here. We are literally just a few hours away from the big day where we've had so much preparation, uh, so much build-up for this day. And I don't know about you, but I, one of the reasons why I love the Christmas Eve service is because it actually kind of begins for us uh, the, the Christmas day. It's kind of Christmas for us really begins here. You know, it's uh, all the presents have been bought. Um, most of them have been wrapped, all the preparations done by a few small details, and uh, work is almost done. And so this is kind of uh, just the beginning of, prep- of the day itself, was because we get to take this time just to, to pause and just to really focus on Jesus. And hopefully you are in a similar place. If you haven't bought presents yet, you might be in a little bit of trouble. Uh, in fact, I suggest maybe you take the last hour or so of shops being open to go now, uh, run as fast as you can. Um, but hopefully you have done that. Maybe you've got a few presents still to wrap and there's some uh, preparations f- food-wise, things like that for tomorrow. But, but now we actually get to just focus on what Christmas is really about. And you know, I'm, I'm aware that Christmas, uh, you know, it means so many different things to so many different people. Now, for some people, when you ask them what Christmas is, it's about spending time with family. It's about spending time with friends. Uh, for some, it's about uh, presents. It's about giving and receiving presents. Uh, for other people, you know, it's, it's more about uh, just eating lots of great food. You, know, you, you speak to a lot of people and ask them about what Christmas is about and uh, or what Christmas uh, makes them think of, and they think of Santa Claus and reindeer and, and elves and things like that. But for other people, actually, when you speak to them and ask them what Christmas is about, really, uh, this is more of a painful time of year. You know, this is a time of year uh, that just highlights um, just some of the painful experiences they've had in life. Maybe it just highlights a time of loneliness for them. Maybe for, for some people, it highlights just financial struggles, or uh, it highlights just uh, the remembering those who have passed away, those who are no longer with them. And whatever it is for you, like, it can be so easy over this time of year to allow this busy Christmas season just to, to distract us and shift our focus away from what it's really all about. You know, it could be that uh, we just get distracted by the busyness or the chaos of it. It could be that we uh, just get distracted by the commercial, commercialization of Christmas or just, uh, just some of the emotions that Christmas stirs up in us. But none of these things are actually what Christmas is about. See, Christmas is about just remembering that Jesus chose to come into our world. It's about remembering and giving thanks to him, giving glory to him for the fact that he chose to step into our world. So we just had Ellie, my oldest daughter, just read through the, some of the Christmas narrative for us. But we're just going to take a moment just to read it again, because there's actually, as I've been looking at it over the last few weeks, there's some, one thing in particular that I want to focus on that has been really just highlighted to me. So let's take a, a moment to read it together. It says, at, the time that, uh, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a censor should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. 
And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her, to be, uh, for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now, uh, you may have noticed that I've highlighted a, a phrase on the screen there that uh, Jesus was, laid, he was born and then he was laid in a manger. And I was just thinking about this and actually this is a really unusual thing to do. It's kind of an odd place to put any baby really, let alone the Messiah, the Son of God. Uh, you know, if, in case you don't know what a manger is, it's, it's literally uh, an animal's feeding trough. That's what a manger is. It's, it's a place where animals would go and, and they would eat their food. And, you know, it doesn't matter which baby it is. It could be any baby. This is a pretty undignified place to put a baby, uh, a, particularly a newborn baby. And so um, it just strikes me as a very odd thing. You know, I've had four... Well, I haven't had four children, that's a lie. My wife has had four children. She's done the hard work. Um, but I, we have four children, um, and every time we've, we've, uh, Katrina's been pregnant again, a health visitor has come to our house uh, to check on the sleeping arrangements for this um, baby that we're expecting, just to make sure everything's safe and everything's okay. And um, I can just imagine the health visitor turning up to the birth of Jesus and seeing him lying in a manger and just the heart attack that he or she would have had as she witnessed this. This was not a clean place. This was not a place where you would expect to find any baby, let alone the king of kings, the one who was coming to be the savior of the world. And, you know, you kind of think, well, what kind of, what were Mary and Joseph thinking? You know, why would they choose to put their baby in there? But actually, it says in there that there was no space anywhere else for them uh, to put this baby. That's where he ended up. But this is actually no accident. You see, God actually, as we studied on Sunday, uh, we, we studied uh, the, the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and we, we uh, recognized the fact that God used a uh, the most powerful ruler in what we assume the whole world at that point to, to actually move Mary and Joseph from Nazareth 70 miles all the way to Bethlehem to make sure that the baby was born there. And so if God can use the most powerful ruler in the world to fulfill his purposes, I'm pretty sure he could provide a decent bed for the baby when it's born, right? So why did he allow Jesus to be placed in a manger? Uh, we actually uh, finished our series on signs of the Savior last week, but I, as I was reading this, I couldn't help but throw in a cheeky little bonus for you this morning, because this actually leads to be uh, another sign um, as we continue this narrative. Let's continue to see what it says. Uh, it says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. 
you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. So there's some shepherds in a field, uh, and they're just uh, looking after the flock there, and suddenly this angel appears, scares the life out of them, uh, and then tells them about this baby that has been born, and he, he then gives them the sign that they're to go and look for this baby that's going to be uh, the savior of the world, um, and they'll know him because he will be wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Now, clearly, this was not a normal thing to have been done back then, because otherwise it wouldn't have been much of a sign. This kind of it was pretty much the only sign that they were given, so it kind of singles out that this was a very unusual place for a baby to be laid. So the story uh, continues, and uh, they actually go on to find uh, Mary and Joseph. It says, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was, a, there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So Jesus... Uh, so the, the, the shepherds, they go and they find Mary and Joseph and they see the baby lying in the manger. The sign was there. The sign had been fulfilled. But can you imagine the sight? You know, this is the Messiah that had been long expected for hundreds and hundreds of years. This is the sign of the Messiah that, uh, that was prophesied about, that, um, that was coming over. And they were eagerly anticipating this day. And they had this uh, picture again of this great Messiah who was going to come. And they step in to see the Messiah as the angel had spoken, and he's lying there in a, in a feeding trough. And this is the King of kings, Lord of lords, the one who would come and redeem Israel, the Alpha and the Omega, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who was so powerful, he breathed out the stars in the galaxy. And there he is, completely helpless, lying in a feeding trough. This is a bed not fit for anyone, let alone a king. But for this king, actually, it's, it's a very fitting bed for him. You see, Jesus came into our world in the humblest and lowest of ways. And actually, that is how he continued to live in our world. He, he came low. He came humble so that he could step into our world. I love what it says in Philippians chapter 2. It says this, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took, a, took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. See, this is not a time of year just to, to put up decorations and eat lots of great food and uh, sing Christmas songs, watch Christmas movies and hang out with friends and family. It's not about all those things. It's about remembering that we worship a humble God a God who, in his humility and in his love for us, chose to step into our world. 
he actually he didn't see his uh, lordship, he didn't see his holiness, his power as something to cling to. Instead, he emptied himself of all of it. And he chose to come to us as a baby. He chose to step into our world as a little baby so that he could one day die on a cross for us. He stepped into our world so that he could shine his light into our world. I want to uh, just reference one final scripture. Again, it's another one that is often read uh, this time of year. And the prophet Isaiah said this about the coming Messiah. He said, The people who will walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. So whatever you feel about Christmas whether you love this time of year, whether you hate this time of year, whether this is, uh, brings up good emotions, whether it brings up bad emotions, it is a time to remember that a humble king chose to step into his world to empty himself of all of his power, all of his, everything that he had, so that he could shine a light into our darkness. It's a time of great hope. He stepped into our brokenness, our darkness, to bring hope. It's a time of great joy, as the, the angel declared that actually he came to bring joy to the whole world. It's a time that just marks a deep, deep act of love for us. And it's a time of peace as we just uh, are embraced by God, as he steps into our world. So as we close, I want to just give us some time to actually focus on uh, uh, just this God who steps into our world, who comes to shine his light into our darkness. And uh, we're actually going to, in, in a short while, just take some time to light our candles. We're going to turn the lights out um, and just sing some final carols. This is a way of continuing to reflect this. But before we do that, uh, I want to just lead out in a time of reflective prayer. As I do this, I just want to encourage you just to, to close your eyes, put your hands out, whatever it is that helps you to just focus your attention on Jesus. And I'm going to pray, and just you can just, as I'm doing it, just lift up your own uh, prayer of thanks to God. So let's pray together. Jesus, firstly, we thank you that we do have this opportunity to fix our hearts and our minds on you now. Jesus, we thank you that we uh, have this opportunity just to be in your presence because you chose to come. Lord, I thank you that in all of the busyness, in all of the craziness of the last uh, couple of months that lead up to this day tomorrow, that you are there with us, that your light still shines in the darkness. God, we give thanks to you for your humility. We give thanks to you for your uh, just willingness to lay it all down, to sacrifice everything. We give thanks to you that, that you are worthy of it all. God, that your humility led to you just coming as this helpless baby 
lying in a feeding trough. God, I thank you that that is how you came. You came as someone who uh, just put yourself in the lowest of situations. You became a slave so that we could be set free. You became a servant. You came to serve each and every one of us and ultimately to give your life for us. Lord, I pray that we would just have such a revelation of this truth that we would be like the shepherds who, who, as we leave today, that we would leave rejoicing and praising God because of what we have encountered. Lord, I thank you that that light is still able to shine, that it is still shining in even the darkest of places. And Lord, as we've faced just difficult, dark couple of years, your light is still shining. Lord, for those who have experienced pain over this time of year, for those who this does just highlight painful and negative experiences, God, would your light shine in those places? Would you come and bring great joy? Come and bring hope, love, peace. thank you we thank you for what you gave we thank you that you are always with us Lord we thank you that you didn't come to be served but you came to serve thank you that you continue, you will continue to shine your light. And Lord, that one day we will be able to step into the fullness of the glory that you intend for us. Lord, would you, over this next uh, day, as we celebrate Christmas, as we celebrate your birth, just help us to continue to reflect on you, to remember you in the midst of spending time with family and opening presents in the midst of uh, eating Christmas dinner and watching Christmas shows or whatever it is that happens on Christmas Day. Lord, would you be at the center of our hearts and our minds? Would you enable us just to, to uh, not take this time of year for granted, but to just remember you and give you worship and praise? Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. To listen to more messages like this one, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk forward slash podcast. We are looking forward to seeing you soon.